Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. So this is not John Kim. This is actually Steve Park. I am John Kim's childhood friend, and I'm using AI to mimic John's voice. As you can see, it's pretty amazing. All right, I'm just kidding. This is John Kim. But this shit is possible now. I mean, with AI, you could actually not not only record um, someone else's voice and, and sound exactly like that person, but AI can actually create the content for you. Which, as someone who creates, uh, is a bit scary. And man, it's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of. Um, will the real, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? There's gonna be a lot of that. Is it Slim Shady? Will the real? Yeah, it is. But you know what? I still believe that our uniqueness will uh, can never be duplicated. Whether you're a writer, podcaster, whatever you do. Uh, your voice, your authentic voice, that cannot be du- duplicated. So I trust that. Okay, let's talk about three things that make love real. Falling in love and having a relationship are two very different things. This is by Susan Piver, and I couldn't agree with her more. I know that in my 20s, I thought when you fall in love, that is the same thing as being in a relationship, right? That that's you fall in love and you have a relationship, but no, they are two very different things. And so many believe the harder you fall, the more real love is. Uh, this is also something I believed that, um, the more you are in love with someone, the, the more real that love is, the easier the relationship is going to be. It's actually the opposite. I think, I think the more you fall, or the harder you fall, um, the harder it is to actually build a relationship because uh, building a relationship is a, is a completely different thing. And I think that the harder you fall, some of that fall has to do with dysfunction and that kind of sticky unhealthiness, right? Building a relationship is completely different. Um, so first, let's examine what real really means. In our commercialized world where love comes chocolate-coated with rings and roses, real means it was meant to be. Real means happily ever after. Real means a seamless union. Real means when you know, you know, right? And you've heard that. You hear it all the, all the time from your friends. I just, I just know this time. Anyway, um, none of these are real unless you're 17. They are movies and advertisements we bought into at a very young age the truth is real doesn't happen until you have started to build a relationship so what's real the contrast is real triggers are real the drift is real that's why relationships are so hard right taking the real and building something with it instead of hiding or running from it requires lots of work Lots of inner work. An honest look at self and 
taking ownership. So the honest look of look at self, uh, that's not easy, but that's a lot easier than the taking ownership part. And that's where most drop the ball. It's the action. And at the end of the day, love is action. You know, it's not just words or a feeling. It's action. So this is what creates the legs of a relationship. So in this episode, I want to dig into what's real. Let's start with the contrast. And what I mean by contrast is not just different tastes and foods and books and music or humor. I'm not talking about if you're vegan and your girlfriend uh, can't go a meal without eating meat or if you have a sugar tooth and your boyfriend likes only salty treats, I'm talking about your wiring, your love languages. Love languages meaning how you like to give and receive love, your attachment style, your definition of love, and the way you process things. So your wiring. Um, we are all wired differently due to our stories, what we've been through. You know, we're all born a fresh blank canvas and because of our upbringing because of our life experiences and how we interpret those life experiences how we internalize things uh our wiring starts to take shape and it's different for everyone you know uh two people can go to war one person can come back with a lot of ptsd and traumatized um the other person can come back with none of it right so we're all different in how we take things in and internalize and how that manifests in our thoughts and behavior uh, is, is different, right? So the way that we were brought up and all the experiences we had, all that shapes us and that wires us. And they create our beliefs, they create our patterns, they create our reactions, and this impacts the relationship directly. I mean, not just your intimate relationship, but all relationships, it's what makes love real. It's also what makes love hard. When you're different and your partner is different because of your wiring, um, it's, it takes a lot to try to understand someone because you have to do it where it's not just surface space, but you have to understand the person's story and how they see the world and why they do the things they do because they may make no sense to you, right? Um, but you're not them. And they're not you. So wiring is what makes love real. Working through, understanding, holding, and exploring each other's wiring. Hey, wanted to share with you something I'm super excited about. If you go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium, you not only get commercial-free episodes, but also something I'm introducing called series, rotating wellness topics, but not only lessons, but what do we do with this information? How do we thread this into our life so we could change our life? Go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium. The next thing that makes love real is uh, love languages. And... Uh, Oh, man, what can I say about love languages? I used to think love languages, um, it was invented by uh, Gary Chapman, I believe is his name, wrote a book. Uh, I think there's five love languages, uh, became very popular. And 
at first I thought it was just kind of like a gimmicky hook to sell a lot of books, but I got to say in the last two years, I really, really, um, it's really helped me. It's really been a tool to uh, look at love through the love language's lenses. So there's acts of service, there is uh, quality time, there's um, words of affirmation, that's one of mine, there's physical touch, and there's gifts. Um, The way that I like to receive and give love is through words of affirmation and touch. Those are my two love languages. The way that my partner uh, likes to give and receive love is through acts of service and through touch. Now, here's the thing. Because I'm not an acts of service guy, um, and she's not a words of affirmation, if I write her name in the sky, she's going to ask me how much that shit cost, right? She's not going to be moved or turned on by that gesture. Um, And I'm exaggerating, of course. But uh, what will go further for her is if I get the car washed or I make her day easier in some way, right? That's her feeling love. That's how she receives love and also gives love. That's that's her natural. Um, mine would be, you know, whisper things in my ear, tell me things, tell me how beautiful I am, um, write me poems, and, uh, you know, words. They, they go a long way with me. She's not a words person. So, why am I sharing this? Because I'm giving you an example of how important this is. Because if I didn't know she wasn't a words person, if I had no knowledge of this concept of love languages, I would just assume she's not that into me because she's not writing me poems, right? And she may assume I'm not that into her because I'm not doing a lot of acts of service because that's not natural for me. It's not how I like to show love. But knowing each other's love languages, we now make an effort to stretch you know it doesn't mean that she has to change her love language it just means that she knows i'm a words of affirmation guy so uh she literally has a reminder in her phone and it reminds her to give me some kind words because that's not what she's used to doing right and so i wake up and i try to make her day easier or better in some way or at least i think about Um, doing some kind of active service, no matter how small or big, uh, to show that that I love her. So that's how love languages uh, play into this. Knowing your partner's love language and then making an effort to love your partner in a way that they like to be loved. And again, it doesn't mean that you're losing sense of self. It doesn't mean to... Um, it doesn't mean that I suddenly reject the way that I love and like to be loved and just only, you know, do words of affirmation and, 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 and the way that my partner uh, likes to be loved because then that means I'm now compromising self. And relationships are about compromise but not compromise of self. So tackling love languages and loving in a way um, where it requires stretch, right, to meet your partner's needs. Um, I don't know if the words. Uh, I don't know if the words needs, but to meet your partner's preferences and the way they wish or prefer to be loved, that is real love. That is um, what building a relationship looks like. All right. Next is attachment styles, and I'm just going to go through the 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 most common. There's the secure attachment. We're all swimming toward that. 
there's anxious attachment and there is um, avoidant attachment. I'm just going to cover these three. There's a lot of attachment styles, like different categories, subcategories. Um, I tend to fall into anxious attachment. This is the attachment style where you are uh, holding on to your partner's leg, <laughs> holding on to every text. Why isn't she home? Reading into things too much. Um, all of that. Now, obviously, I've come a long way and I'm, I'm, I'm aware of my anxious tendencies and I don't need her to uh, text me when she's out with her friends every two minutes, right? Uh, avoidance is avoiding. It's running the other way. It's uh, avoided attachment style. People tend to not talk about feelings, kind of love around the person, um, compartmentalize, right? Stuff like that. So, and, and usually the anxious uh, attachment style person ends up in a relationship with an, an avoidant, right? Because there's that kind of polarity. Um, you rarely see two anxious together or two of, well, if you have two avoidants together, there is no relationship because they're just avoiding, they're all just running away. <laughs> so, learning each other's attachment styles, working through them, uh, working through your own. Right, and both kind of swimming toward secure attachment. That is real love. That is working on slash building a relationship. So in, in this case, my partner's attachment style, since it's avoidant, she would be working on trying to lean in, trying to not avoid, but be vulnerable, talk about her feelings, um, you know, have the hard conversations, right? And then for me, who who I have more of an anxious attachment style, I would my work would be to um, cling less, to let go, to allow uh, some breathing room <laughs> in the relationship, and don't feel that um, because she didn't return my call or respond in a certain way that she is less attracted to me or um, abandoning me, right? Okay, next one is the drift. And we all drift. It doesn't matter how great the relationship is, drift is normal because we all have thoughts, we all we all we all ruminate, we all have false beliefs, you know. Um one per, one's personal life transitions and winters can also create drift, right? Like if I'm going through a depression because of have nothing to do with the relationship, but that's just what I'm going through. Yeah, there's going to be natural drift in all my relationships. Our daily grind can create drift. You know, if I'm not careful, I can easily fall into being a workaholic. I love creating things, and I love what I do, so I can drown in my my work, whether I'm writing or doing whatever, and that can create drift. Raising children can create drift. So, I mean, as someone who has a three-year-old, I can tell you I will choose sleep over intimacy. None of that's a lie. Not anymore. Um, I used to. <laughs> Maybe when the child was one, when people were sleep-deprived uh, and just surviving, right? That's definitely going to uh, create uh, drift. So, um, being aware of drift, even though it is normal. And, and listen, um, if... Besides it being normal, if there's conflict and anger and resentment in your relationship, of course there's going to be more drift, right? So um, the effort to not drift in your relationship, meaning the effort it takes daily, 
I would say moment by moment, to be present, to put the phone down, to make eye contact, to touch with intention, right? When you're in a relationship, you know this, uh, sex can become very mechanical and it doesn't mean that you don't love your partner as much or if the attraction has faded, it's just life. Like this is, you know, you fall into that dance and three years in, you guys are doing, okay, we do this, then we kiss. It's like Twister, the game Twister. Okay, hand goes on red, (laughs) penis goes on yellow, leg goes over here. Um, So in a way that's drift, right? Anything that is on autopilot can create drift. So intentionally switching things up, making an effort uh, to have date night, to have deeper conversations, to connect, to constantly explore, engage, and get to know your partner. Because we're always changing, right? We're always going through life and things. So doing life with someone instead of at or around, which I know you've heard me say a million times. Um, But it's not me speaking. This is Steve Park, and that's AI speaking. And AI has done research on John Kim, and so that's what's coming out of Steve Park's mouth because – what am I talking about? Okay, never mind. I learned about setup and payoff in screenwriting school, and I think that's what it is. Say something in the beginning, plant a seed, try to pay it off at the end. That was not a great example, but um, that's what I'm trying to do. And I don't know if AI can do that yet. Maybe it can. I don't know. Anyway, okay, I want to end with this. Real isn't just about the feel goods. Real is all the shit that comes up from the collision of two people and their unhealed stories. What we do with this is real. Um, And what will determine if we continue to build and strengthen the relationship our own relationship with self as well, or we slowly destroy both. If you do nothing, I will tell you right now, you will dissolve. Uh, You will destroy both. Both. That's just a natural progression. Uh, And this is why relationships are hard. And this is what makes love real. Not the dopamine shooting in your brain. It's the actual rolling up your sleeves and leaning in, working through, and it takes work. Now, I also want to end, because I, I don't want to end on a, a downer. Um, I also want to end on a high note, but it's worth it. And it's not just worth it because loving someone feels good. It's worth it because loving someone in a way like this, where you really look at self and the other, causes, I would say, um, one of the strongest ways to grow individually. I mean, I think that's the point of love. Like if I was an alien and I came down to this planet, I would, if I was a really smart alien, I would be like, oh, I get what love is about. Love was created for these humans to grow. It's not just to feel good, but it's for two people to collide. And because of that collision, both leave different leave changed um and to practice love you have to actively look inward and stretch and grow that's what i would think and i would think oh that's actually beautiful what a gift thank you for listening be well